Right, welcome along to another episode of the How I Caught the Wrestling Bug podcast. I'm your host, David Lovell. Delighted to say the uh, sort of Canadian invasion continues. Got another Canadian guest on this week. Peter Harrison joins me. Peter, how's it going? It's going good all the way here in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Now, you're no, no stranger to the uh, podcasting world. Uh, tell us about the uh, podcast you do for, is it AngryMarks.com? Yes, Angry Marks. I host a podcast with CVJ. It's uh, called Love Up or Shut Up. It's a mixed martial arts podcast. We've been doing it for over 10 years, I want to say, maybe 11 years now. Um, but before that, I was his co-host on their Thursday Night AMP show. So I've been doing podcasting for... About 12, 13 years, I want to say. So that's all about MMA. Of course, we're going to talk about wrestling here today. And and uh, the first right. question I put to everyone is, what is your earliest memory of wrestling? Oh, God. Uh, first memory was, I'm going to date myself when I say this, but going to the video store and, and seeing a display for WrestleMania four, and it was a two VHS box set that you had to rent. Mm-hmm. Um, just something about it, like, got my attention, the display, and, uh, watched the first match, the Battle Royal with Bret Hart and Bad News Allen, or Bad News Brown, and, um, I was hooked. That's not the best WrestleMania to be, uh, introduced to wrestling by, is it really, looking back? No, no, (laughs) It was something new. It was something exciting. And I mean, up here in, in where I'm in Canada, the wrestling, you, you didn't really get the WCW. You, you only got like the, the weekend WWF show. But um, yeah, it was something that me and my brother uh, got latched onto real quick. And we're still fans today. So The next question is, uh, which wrestlers captured your imagination as a kid now randy savage wins the title at the end of that show uh was was randy savage one of the guys that sort of first captured imagination as a kid for me it was like bret hart smashing the trophy in the first match like what have i gotten myself into that was kind of cool plus he's canadian Uh, too which yeah helped. yeah (laughs) uh bret hart uh savage uh wasn't much of a hogan guy uh, Jake the Snake was very mysterious to a kid back then. Um, you know, it was something about the 80s wrestling that, you know, for someone new to the product, really, it, for, I don't know, it's something about it hooked me. I don't think I'd get hooked if it was today's product. And what was the first live event that you attended? The first event that I attended was here in Ottawa. Um, it was a house show. My uncle got us ringside seats, and I remember chirping at earthquake. And my uncle, who was he was ill that day, but he still promised to take his his nephews out to the wrestling show. And he was not a hundred percent. And I chirped at earthquake, big mountain of a man. And I looked at my uncle afterwards, and I was thinking he'd laugh with me. And he looked like he was like, I'm going to die today. He's going to kill me. (laughs) (laughs) But I remember the last match, and it was the Heart Foundation against Demolition. But Demolition had a third member, and I was like, what is going on here? 
And that weekend, I think it was a Friday night house show, and on Saturday they showed them for the first time on Superstars. But then my second show was the debut of Ric Flair in the WWF. So there is that. So that would have been around sort of September of 91? Uh, yeah, it would have been fall of 91 when Flair was there. I think my first house show might have been six or eight months before that. I can't remember exactly. But I remember the Flair one because I saw the robe. Obviously, the robe catches your eye first. And as a kid, you're like, what is that? And then you see the big gold, and I'm like, okay, I know he's not the champion. Why is And he's picking a fight with Piper. Oh. Okay, <laughs> they know each other. Um, that was an interesting night for sure because it made me go get the magazines and uh, what well, limited wrestling magazines we had up here. But um, you know, it, it <laughs> as a kid, it was something that you know. Looking back, it was it was pretty cool to be in that crowd. And now I've got nephews who are that age, and it's like. You know, he tells, my nephew told me that he's a wrestling fan now. And I said, oh, what's your favorite wrestler? He, with a big smile, yelled, John Cena. And I'm like, oh. Okay. <laughs> so you had no knowledge of who Ric Flair even was at that point? No, no, because we never get WCW. I mean, WCW only in certain parts of Ontario and in Western, the Western provinces. But, I mean, I, I, from the only time I think I've heard of Flair was through the magazines. So from that point where you started watching around WrestleMania 4, which would have been, what, 1988? Yeah. Uh, through, <laughs> <laughs> through to today, so mm -hmm. you know, 30, 33 years on, uh, at any point did you ever sort of stop watching wrestling or lose interest at all? You know, I was thinking about that the other day and I was like I don't know if I ever stopped because I've heard friends of mine say well I didn't watch for five or six years and I would have to fill in the gaps for them but I mean my life you know over the years is always I've always been a wrestling fan and by proxy it led to me becoming an MMA fan and then an MMA journalist but um, you know it's something that I've never not watched it it's always been a part of my routine almost but obviously with WBF, or WWE as it is now, a lot of mm. people you know, have stopped watching the WWE altogether. I mean, where are you with the WWE today? Do you still watch it at all? Yeah, I still watch it. I, I watch more or less the pay-per-views. I don't really watch the week-to-week -week stuff anymore. Um, I watch AEW and, and uh, New Japan more than WWE. But uh, I've also expanded my horizons. Like, over the last few years, I've watched a lot more New Japan, become a fan of them. Um, I think a couple of months ago, I started watching NWA, just see what they're about. But uh, AEW, for sure. Years ago, I, 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 have, I still have them downstairs. I think I still have a bunch of Ring of Honor DVDs as well. So, I mean, I've got a, a vast collection of DVDs over the years where I'm not saying I was bored with WWE, but I knew there was more out there than just them. They weren't the only game in town. The next question I ask is, what are your viewing habits now? So we've kind of pretty much covered that. So you watch Dynamite every week. I mean, who really grabs you right now on Dynamite? Who do you really enjoy watching from week to week? 
So here in Ottawa, like there's a, a, a well, before COVID, of course, there was a pretty good independent scene um, with C4. And then I would go to Montreal, watch IWS. Um, so I know uh, a few of the guys who were in AEW, like uh, Evil Luno, Stu Grayson, Ethan Page. Um, those, those guys, you know, it's good to see, it's really cool to see, you know, the local talent on the big stage. Um, there's some people like Josh Alexander is another name who's killing it in impact right now. Um, it, it's really cool to see, uh, when, when we had wrestling here that the big names would come in and challenge like the Josh Alexanders where it was, uh, Jeff Cobb came in for a one, one off and he fought Alexander in a great match. Um, but to see them now succeeding on their own and, um, you know, seeing guys from IWS, like IWS produced guys like uh, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, you know, it, it, there is a, a really strong Canadian uh, contingent uh, in the independence that would be amazing on different platforms, whether it's COVID is now not having as many shows or certain people have visa issues, but there's uh, one guy who I think would be amazing on AEW, and that's Mike Bailey. But no one really knows about him because he has been off the scene for a little bit outside of Canada and Japan. He hasn't hit the American market. And what do you think about Brian Danielson and CM Punk coming in? Are you excited to see those guys in AEW? I think if they're used correctly, yes. I think them making a splash in AEW is a sign that you know it's it will lead to some interesting programming it opens now it's cliche to say opening the forbidden door but it opens the door for potential to really just have one of those moments that you're going to know where you were that day like if I told you last year that Nick Gage would be on Dynamite, you'd be like, yeah, okay, have another drink. You know, it's not going to happen. You know, but I think with AEW, their roster is expanding at a rate I'm not sure is sustainable. <laughs> so I think they're going to expand that soon. But um, I think that with AEW, you also have to expect the unexpected. And I think the WWE is in a position now where they need to get back some of those fans they lost to AEW or it's going to be a lot harder to, to get them back in six months or a year. We come on now to the portion of the show called Rapid Fire Questions, but it's never mm-hmm. really Rapid Fire. Uh, f- favorite uh, wrestler of all time? Who would you uh, who would you choose for that? Uh, Bret Hart with Ric Flair being a close second. I think a lot of people would say. I think I would say that. I, I think. Uh, what What would be your favorite? Obviously, the next question is favorite match of all time. If it's not a Bret Hart match, I'd like to know what your favorite Bret Hart match is. But I'll ask you what your favorite match of all time is first. Uh, actually, it's going to be the '92 Royal Rumble. Okay. Yeah. It's not fair to Flair. Oh. <laughs> I quote that. My wife drives me nuts with that. If something pisses me off, I just look at her and I start doing Bobby Heenan jokes and she goes, stop it, stop it. Well, we just did, as we record this, we just did the uh, 
the Nat Rushmore of colour commentators. And yeah. uh, quite rightly, Bobby Heenan was the far and away winner of that. And that show is probably his best commentary performance, I would say. Yeah, I mean, he. this is what happens when you don't have a script. When you are able to rely on your personality to for it to shine through um the greatest wrestlers on their promos didn't have a script they just didn't they just it was themselves turned to 11 give them a couple of talking points and out you go simple as that i've not seen that match uh for a while but i did i did go back and watch it i don't know maybe five six years ago and and it's really I don't know what the word is. It's quite a depressing number of guys in yeah. that match who are no longer with us. I'm not sure if you actually looked at that list of the 30 guys, maybe half of them mm. are no longer with us or something. Because when you think about it, I mean, Kerry Von Erich is in that rumble, I believe. Uh, the British Bulldog is mm. in there. The Warlord, I think, is in that match. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a number of guys. I mean, um, Macho Man, Piper. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, the list Boss is... Man. Boss Man. Yeah, the list is absolutely endless of guys who are not who are no longer with us. But, um, yeah, I mean... That's the same problem. WrestleMania 8 had that problem for sure. There's a lot of... Like, it's like two-thirds. And I think there's there's some matches in there where it's like the only person living is the referee. It's like, that's That's cold. That's just crazy. Unless, of course, the referee is Joe Morella on that. On one of oh, yeah. well, yeah, that's true. I mean, I think the match I remember seeing recently from WrestleMania 8 was uh, Savage and Warrior with Sherry in the corner. It's like only Hebner's left. Right, yeah. Yeah, and, and even the, the, <laughs> WrestleMania, the WrestleMania 7 match, one of, one of my favorite matches was Ra- Macho Man versus uh, Warrior where obviously Savage and Elizabeth get back together at the end of the match. Oh, was that seven? That's right. Sorry. my Yeah, my memory is certain to go, I guess. <laughs> uh, just it, It's funny that you look back at the history of WrestleMania and it's like somebody put a post in the group the other day where it's like uh, somebody better check on Sergeant Slaughter because WrestleMania 1 through 6, Hogan's opponents are all gone. Yeah. I should point out the Warlord is actually still with us. I, I yes. <laughs> I don't know why I said that, but uh, yeah, the Warlord is definitely still with us. But anyway, um, so favorite match would be the '92 Royal Rumble, but favorite Bret Hart match? What would you uh, choose for that? Hmm, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm thinking of two. I, I mean, the obvious answer for that would be. Bret and Stone Cold at WrestleMania with the double turn. But I really enjoyed also the Bret Hart match he had against Benoit on the night that Owen passed away mm. because that match was very technical and have Harley Rice ringside as well. It was it was quite the moment, quite the match. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, how do you feel about going back and watching Chris Benoit matches now? I'm okay with it. Um, there's some stuff like I'm, I, I have access to his uh, ECW uh, time that he had, and I can separate the wrestler from what he did in afterwards. But um, there's no denying there was a lot of talent there, and it's just 
what was it? The the autopsy. He had the brain of like an eighty year old Alzheimer's patient, and it's like, yeah. it's amazing what wrestling. I mean, those who saw the dark side of the ring with Dynamite Kid, another guy who amazing talent, but you know the brain just you know just got screwed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the best live show you attended. So what what would that be? Oof. I'd have. To, I'm going to be the easy answer is going to be WrestleMania 35 in New York City. Uh, met a couple of people from the group there that weekend. I did uh, Thursday, Friday, no Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I did four shows and or five shows and four nights or something ridiculous. Like I we landed that night, like in the afternoon. I went to an independent show that night, and then the Thursday, and then the Friday was NXT, Saturday was New Japan, Sunday was WrestleMania, I went to Raw on Monday and we flew out on Tuesday. And, uh, you know, I saw Filthy Tom on that independent show, I saw Nick Gage on the independent show, I saw Otani versus Eddie Kingston. I mean, you couldn't make that up. And just watching Otani and Kingston go at it, I'm like, okay, this is why I'm here. Like, I'm a wrestling fan through and through, but the next match had, it was a hardcore match with things that were hammered in the guy's forehead and i'm like what is this (laughs) but uh that whole weekend is something that looking back now was the last wrestlemania before covid and i don't know if we're going to get back to that normal ever again or at least in the next few years i'm hoping next time they go to new york i'll go again but i don't know if it's going to be the same like where we'll be in five years right so yeah, New York City, absolutely. It's terrible. I had to look up the card for WrestleMania 35. I can tell you the card for like WrestleMania 7, which was, you know, 30 years ago, but I can't remember the the card for WrestleMania 35, which was only a few years ago. But that, of course, was the uh, show that was um, headlined by the women, uh, Becky, yes. Ronda, and Charlotte in the main event. Yes. How did that, that match... Um, for the audience at home, that match didn't really come across that well. It was a little bit disappointing. How was it for the? Uh, how was it live for you? Live was interesting because in our section there was a huge Ronda Rousey uh, fan club. I think or there was a lot of people rooting for her. So it's like uh, it, it when when Becky won and the fireworks happened and you saw her on the stage. It was quite the th- the experience live, but. You know, Charlotte's entrance, um, you know, there were a lot of different aspects to that show. I don't know if I, if, you know, I think, I think there's the, the, the right idea of flying home the day of WrestleMania because sitting in a stadium for seven hours, my knees were shot. Um, but I remember Kofi winning the belt that night and that was, that was something I'm going to remember. It was, it was very, very cool to see that, um, one funny story about WrestleMania was that during one of the matches, I went to get another drink and uh, some food, and I heard this this golf cart honk. I guess we were driving some VIP past, I guess past the where we were to get to the luxury boxes, and it was a sheriff, like an undercover cop, whatever, police officer, and he was driving the golf cart with Linda McMahon. So in the middle of WrestleMania, in waiting for my food, all of a sudden you hear Linda, Linda. I'm like, what the hell? 
That's pretty oh, cool. So yeah, so WrestleMania 35 was that the only WrestleMania you've attended, or have you have you been to another one? No, I've been to a Survivor Series and I've been to a SummerSlam. Uh, Survivor Series and SummerSlam, both are in Toronto, uh, which is only about a couple hours from where I am. Was that the Survivor Series where Goldberg came back? Yes. Yes. Uh, I all three shows I've been to, Brock Lesnar has lost his match. <laughs> so. Yeah, it was uh, that Goldberg turn. I was actually that SummerSlam I went to was the debut of the Fiend. Oh, again, was it against Finn? Uh, that's a good question. I want to say yes, actually, because he came out with that lantern with the guy's face, and I couldn't really see what it was. And my buddy texted me, he goes, "Dude, check out the lantern!" I'm like, "I can't see it from my seat." <laughs> so he sent me a screenshot. I'm like, "Oh, that is so cool!" But to hear the remixed version of that song for the first time yeah, like I'm talking about I got goosebumps right now so I can't believe that that Bray Wyatt was released I, I really that's that's out of all the releases they've done and some have been head scratching that's that's definitely the biggest head scratcher isn't it I think they're not done yet I think there's gonna be another wave and there's some people on that roster that I don't think they should be nervous, but I think there's some that should be relieved if they get picked because they're going to do much better in different places like New Japan or AEW, like, you know, the Ricochets or, you know, some of the women wrestlers where it's like, you know what, there's a good scene out in AEW. Yes, it's packed right now, but, you know, there's some people that are about to have their 90-day clause expire where they're going to show up soon, whether it's Impact, NWA, or AEW. Women's wrestling is going to be very it's going to have a few new names attached to it very soon i'm looking forward to it well i think ruby riot or, or ruby yeah. soho as it, as i think she's going to be called uh will be a great addition to the women's roster in aew i mean that that's yeah. um i mean the aew women's roster is is really coming on now i mean that that was one area where they needed to improve i think and i, I, they, I think they definitely have with the addition of serena deeb and and thunder rosa and Obviously, Britt Baker has just been an absolute revelation, hasn't she? The way that she, uh, how far she's come in the past year uh, or so. So every February, like the last two or three years, they had uh, a women's only show. And I think it was the last one. No, the first show they did, it had Tessa Blanchard against Britt Baker one-on-one. -on -one. And within one minute, the some idiot fans started dueling chants of... Uh, Adam Cole, Ricochet, Adam Cole, Ricochet, and Tessa just would have none of it. She looked at the crowd and goes, we're not doing that today. Tonight's about the women. And that guy shut the hell up real fast. It was really <laughs> cool to see. But Tessa Blanchard, the Iconics, those are names that haven't debuted yet anywhere. So they're going to, I think they're going to be names to look out for hopefully soon. Back to the, the WrestleMania weekend you attended. So uh -huh. the, the takeover that you went to. Yes. Uh, so that was the one with, was it Gorgano and Adam Cole? Yes. Two out of three falls? Yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, and I'm trying to think, was it Walter and Pete Dunne on that show? <laughs> Those chops, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Even where I was sitting, you could hear that sound just reverberating. It's like, Okay, and I didn't think it would be matched until I went to Madison Square Garden. I saw Suzuki, and I'm like, "Yep, I'm in the right place." <laughs> Where do you think Adam Cole goes from here? Do you do you think he'll 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 re-sign with WWE and and be on the main roster? 
you know, it's something me and Stevie J say over at, on our podcast, Glow Up or Shut Up, where certain fighters in MMA, like we talked, Thursday Night AMP we did was a wrestling show. So we did wrestling podcasts, we interviewed big names, but now on the MMA side, when you pick certain fighters, it's your head or your heart. Like last weekend's UFC main event, we wanted to pick your heart, you wanted to go with Derek Lewis, but we knew Gan was the big favorite. I think with Adam Cole, it's the same thing. Do you want to go with your head or your heart? Because he's got a lot of connections still with NXT. And Vince is offering him, you know, all these things. But at the same time, they just released 12 people. Do you want, like, the money is good, the push is good, but how long will that push be for? You're going into the world of the giants, so to speak, where... NXT is going to be rebuilt with a different vision that you don't fit into. Cole is an amazing stick man, amazing wrestler, but after six months, what happens to his push if he resigns? Now, AEW, that would be, you know, a lot of interesting matchups there. I mean, Adam Cole versus, you know, just, you know name, <laughs> name half the roster would be an amazing matchup. But then it doesn't have to be just AEW. He could do a deal like Danielson where he could also wrestle back in New Japan. And there's some matches in New Japan that would be amazing to see. So, you know, with the forbidden door now being open, that might tip the scales for Cole to go to AEW. But if you look at that that SmackDown roster, say, say he went to SmackDown. I mean, if, mm-hmm. if you look at that SmackDown roster... You have some great matches you could do there as well, though. I mean, you could do him against Seth Rollins. That would uh-huh. be, be a great match. Him against Shinsuke Nakamura, you know, or, uh-huh. or Cesaro. Or, there's any number of guys. But like you say, I mean, when was the last time somebody came up from NXT and did well on the main roster? I mean, I mean, Matt Riddle is doing okay. I mean, I, I think Vince likes... Thinks that Vince likes his act, so he, he's giving he's getting a lot of TV time with obviously Randy Orton right now. But I mean, the last guy to really do well from NXT to the main roster was what Drew. Yeah, but, I was just about to say that Drew. Um, you look at you know people who have gone up, and I'm just thinking off the top of my head, you know Keith Lee, uh, Ricochet, um, Baszler. I mean Asuka, I guess, but. No, no, I, I mean, no. ask. I mean, they all. I mean, Asuka losing to Charlotte at WrestleMania was mm. was was a. Yeah, I didn't like that. I didn't like Shayna Baszler losing to to Becky either. Um, and I mean Nakamura. If you go, I've, <laughs> <laughs> I've said this before, but you know Nakamura when he came up, he was so over. I mean, he, his entrance was so over, and and what they do, they turn him heel and and, and change his entrance. And I think uh, that was a huge mistake because um, that guy, I mean, he wasn't the performer that he was. If you go back and look at Nakamura from like 2011, 2012, obviously a different performer to the one you're getting in, you know, 2017 or whatever, 2018. But still, I mean, he's such a charismatic guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, if it was the uh, Toronto show, I want to say it was, they kind of blur together, but there was a takeover the night before and it was uh, um, it was Nakamura and Joe in the main event mm-hmm. and Nakamura's entrance was amazing that was the show with 
Asuka challenged by Mickey James when she made her return to WWE. And I think it was DIY against um, Authors of Pain, I believe. Mm-hmm. But it, it's something where you look back at those cards, no one, I mean, Samoa Joe, okay, he's now, a, you know, they didn't know what, how, what to do with him when he came to the main roster. Mm-hmm. Bobby Roode, same thing. Yeah, because Bobby Roode was another one who had that great entrance and was was great in NXT. And I can't really tell you one thing he's done that's been that memorable on the main roster. I mean, winning the tag belts with Dolph Ziggler is like the biggest thing. I think he may have had like a, a, a run with like the US title maybe. But yeah, I mean, it's so easily forgotten. I mean, it used to be a, a case when if someone won like the IC title, it really meant something. But now... I can mm-hmm. I can tell you who held that belt and and when. Well, Rusev. Rusev, yeah. Same thing. Yeah, same thing. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we could we can name any number of guys. Um, oh, we'd be here all night. <laughs> we'd be, yeah, we'd be here be here all night with guys that they could have really got behind from from Wade Barrett to you know Cesaro yeah. to whoever. I mean, there, there's so many examples where the crowd got behind them and they didn't listen to the crowd. They they, they were so hell-bent on pushing Roman Reigns down everyone's throat. And then the ironic thing is, you know, when they actually could manipulate the audience and get them to do what they want, that's when they turn Roman Reigns hill. Well, as of this recording, no one's left from the Wyatt family. No, no one's left. No, absolutely, yeah. No one left from the Wyatt family, yeah. Uh, but um, I do think Roman Reigns turning heel was a great move, though, and I, I think that that, mm. I mean, his hit the past year or so since he, I think it actually is a year because I mean, he came back at SummerSlam last year. Mm. The year that he's had has been better than the like last six or seven combined. It, yeah, I think he was. He's a unique case, and you can kind of see where the long-term storybooking is for WrestleMania with him and The Rock. But, I mean, if they didn't have long-term storybooking, I mean, the Usos wouldn't be where they are right now, you know, for obvious reasons. Um, It's just a shame that on SmackDown, it's almost becoming raw because you're getting the same matches over and over and over again. And, you know, how many times can we see the Usos and the Mysterios? Right, yeah. And, and I mean, they've kind of got themselves into a corner where no one can really... Who who can believably beat Roman at this point? I mean, the only guy they can probably put against him who people would actually think could beat him would be Dwayne. But I, I don't think Dwayne beating him is, is the right move at all. You know, I know that people want to see Big E, you know, Big E become a top guy. But I don't see Big E beating him. Well, I could see Biggie beating him, but I thought the way you do that is you book that triple threat with Cena and Finn, and then at the end of the match have Biggie do a cash in. Yeah, that could work. Yeah. It took three guys to beat me, and I'm going <laughs> to challenge my rematch at the next pay per view. Certainly, what certainly one way of doing it. But yeah, I, I think uh, I think Biggie. I, I do hope they get behind Big E. I've, I've, they, they've got something there. I mean, maybe they should have done it sooner. But um, you can say that about a lot of guys. I mean, look how long it took them to get behind Kofi. And and that was kind of by... That wasn't really planned, was it? Because, I mean, it was Elimination no. Chamber that he wasn't even meant to be in. I think it was uh, Ali. Yeah. 
and he took the spot and the rest is history i mean they they fully got behind him it's kind of a, a similar thing in a way to daniel bryan you know when daniel bryan got over in an interview with Big E. he did a one with uh renee young on oral sessions and it you know it's a great listen if you're not a Big E fan you're on the fence about him listen to that interview and you'll become a fan of Big E. yeah no i think i think he's great uh i always yeah. have yeah he's always he's always had uh great potential the the last question that I put to everyone is is really it could be answered in, in several different ways, but it's if you could change one thing about the mm-hmm. business, what would it be? So is there one thing that you look at right now and think, well, if, if I could change that, that would make a huge difference to, to wrestling as a whole? But I really put some thought into this and I'm a big believer of the butterfly effect where if you change one thing other things do or do not happen so my answer to that would be if the screw job didn't happen would Owen Hart still be alive mm. and I think if we still had Owen can you imagine Owen in today's environment do you think oh. Owen trainer in NXT would be wouldn't that be amazing oh absolutely and even you know when he died in, in 1999, that, that was right before Jericho was to yeah. come into the company. It was right before, I mean, Benoit and, and Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko were all going to come in later that year. Kurt Angle was about to, to come oh, up. Yeah. I mean, look at all those great matches we could have had with Owen as well. Yeah, Owen was one of a kind. And, uh, you know, I don't think if the screw job happened, it didn't, if the screw job didn't happen and the next night in Ottawa here, I was actually at that Rob when Rick Rude was there and beginning of the show and the heat, just the heat as he ta- started talking, we tried to drown him out with booze. And when Sean came out, Oh man, he was so hated that night. And, uh, there's been a lot of wrestling history here in Ottawa, I have to admit, but if that screw job didn't happen and Brett was allowed to drop the title here in Ottawa that night, and then go to WCW in, in December, I don't think Owen would have become the Blue Blazer. I think that maybe he would have gone to WCW. Mm. Or maybe, you know, he would have done something else. He might have left wrestling all entirely. We don't know. But I think that you can make a correlation that if Brett didn't, if Brett didn't get screwed, maybe, maybe Owen would still be here. I kind of find it, baffling in a way that that people take vince's side on on montreal because if you look at all the facts i don't see how and especially if you watch wrestling with shadows Mm -hmm. i don't see how anyone can come away with that not being on brett's side (laughs) because i mean Shawn michaels was let's be honest i mean Shawn michaels today is a whole different guy i mean he's completely changed but back then he was a prick you know, he, yeah. and he was an absolute nightmare to be around, and he was—he caused all kinds of problems. Um, I think, in a way, it's a shame that the Bret Hart of the '90s couldn't wrestle Shawn Michaels from the 2000s because we, we would have got some tremendous matches out of it. Uh, unfortunately, they couldn't put their differences to one side and have those great series. Of, I mean, they had great matches, but they could have had a great series of matches. We never got to see that. Yeah, they could have had another WrestleMania match at 13. That never happened. I think it was, they meant to wrestle King of the Ring, and that never happened. And, it, you know, it, it, it's such a shame that we didn't get that great... I mean, it was a great rivalry, don't get me wrong, but 
more from behind the scenes rather than actually wrestling in the ring, if you see what I mean. I mean, it wasn't yeah. like where you can look back and go, well, look at all these great Brett and Sean matches. I think also when you look at Brett, if he was wrestling WWE guys in the 2000s, Brett versus Kurt Angle would have been oh, amazing. That was That's a dream match that, yeah, that's the ultimate dream match as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, that would have been... That would have been something to see because I mean, I mean, Sean versus Kurt was that was amazing at WrestleMania yeah. twenty one. Yeah, that was that was a good match. There's some like dream matches. I mean, you, we talked about Owen. Can you imagine Owen and Eddie? Oh, yeah. That would I mean that spectacular. Yeah, there's there's so many guys that Owen would have gotten to work with. Which uh, yeah, it's such it's yeah one of those great tragedies but um yeah montreal i mean yeah i don't see how anyone could not come away from that on brett's side because at the end of the day this argument that well he would have taken the belt to nitro and mm-hmm. i don't think any of that would have happened but i mean no. the amount of trouble that was caused by rick taking the belt back in 91 and then medusa dropping yeah. the the women's title in the in the trash in what was it 95 or 96 whenever that was I don't think they would have gone down that road. And Brett's not the kind of guy to do something like that anyway. You know, Brett was... No, a promoter. Of course he wouldn't. Brett was, you know, a loyal company guy. And for whatever reason, because Vince loves Shawn Michaels, you know, and, no. and I don't know why, but, uh, yeah, well, he did. Well, I think we do know why. Just listen to John and Gigi on the fucking media podcast network because they review 97 yeah, Raw right yeah. now. You know, you'll hear why. Yeah, you hear why, but yeah, I mean, Sean, Sean was just, I would have just let him go. Why not just let him go to WCW so he could be with his buddies, be with, with you know, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall? Uh, because um, and Brett was, Brett was a bigger star, I think. You know, he was certainly a bigger draw worldwide. I mean, he obviously with the Canadian audience and he was a big star in Europe, particularly here in the UK and Germany. I don't think Shawn Michaels had a particularly big following the way that Brett did. You know, maybe I'm a little bit biased, I'm a huge Brett Hart fan, but I, I do think that Brett was a bigger draw than Shawn. Yeah, I mean, you look at Europe, the Middle East, Germany, I mean, he had his fans around the world. I mean, where Shawn went, especially in the UK, after that one night only oh, show, I mean, yeah. oh man. That, that was that was, that was terrible because it was it was it Davy's sister had yeah. cancer and he dedicated the match to her and he thought yep. he was going to win and then Sean yeah, changed the finish. Of course. Oh yeah, <sighs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And Sean didn't need to win the European title either. That was such a pointless title change because didn't he just drop it back to Triple H? Didn't they give it to Triple H after that? I think they did that schmaz on Raw. Uh, like the the oh he beat me oh okay you well you're the new champ you're facing Owen Hart tonight <laughs> yeah oh, I don't know but I mean yeah I mean have you ever have you ever, were you ever a fan of Sean or not really over the years not really no. I mean I think the the Sean um I mean maybe when he came back during his redemption tour, there was some quality matches there. Like the Sean we saw in the first elimination chamber was pretty good. Yeah. The match he had with, um, Shelton Benjamin on, on raw. Which, oh, that was good. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that switching music off the, when Shelton comes off the top rope and 
gets hit with the switching music. That's a great spot, which... Uh, oh, we timed it perfectly, yeah. It was perfect, yeah. Shelton Benjamin, someone that... I don't know why they never got behind him. I mean, he, he had maybe lack of... I mean, he wasn't great on the mic, but he was he was a hell of a worker in the ring. Well, I think with Shelton, there are too many chefs, too many chefs in the kitchen already, mm. and yeah. there wasn't enough room for him to grow as a wrestler. And yeah, he went to New Japan afterwards, but you know, it, it there's still some gas left in the tank for him, and I think that you know, if what he's doing now, if he's happy with where he is now, then all the power, power, all my power to him. But at the same time, you're not like in, in MMA. They say you know if you're not if you're not fighting for the championship or you're not training to get that next fight to you know one day become champion, you're just coasting along. What are you doing here? You know, the, there's some fighters who are happy being gatekeepers, and in wrestling, it's the same thing. Oh, good! I get to main event. Main event tonight. Woohoo! You know. Okay. <laughs> if that's what if that makes you happy, go for it. Become the new Baron Corbin. I don't care. That's um, the, the the final question I ask everyone. I mean, there's been, there's been a lot of unique replies or responses to that, but I, I think your one, no one's ever really sort of come at it from that angle before, where they're sort of looking at. A moment in history and said well if you could change that you know what what an effect that would have on on everything that follows i mean i mean that year in itself 97 was such a a pivotal year in in point the most maybe the most pivotal year in the history of the business because say wrestlemania 13 is brett versus sean you know and, and and brett gets his win back after Sean beat him the year before. You never have Brett versus Steve Austin. You never have the the double turn and all that, as you mentioned. I mean, yeah, yeah it, it's just like, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a great believer in, 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 in the domino effect as well and how that can sort of have, it can change the whole course of, the whole course of history, really. And, and yeah, it's, it's such a unique reply to that, to that question. Yeah, it's something that, you know, for every action is a reaction. I'm a big believer of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Anyway, Peter, we we could talk forever. And I, I think actually the first time we did, we may have actually talked for longer than this. Because uh, <laughs> we're actually uh, doing this for a second time. Because the first time around, well, I've actually got your audio. So I, I, could, <laughs> I could share that. But unfortunately, we can't hear anything that I say, which, you know, a lot of people would say that's probably a good thing. But uh oh. <laughs> but uh yeah it's been an absolute pleasure to have you back on to do this again and uh, thank you for your thank you for your patience because uh that was quite frustrating that when that happened i think it's happened once before with um josiah mcdonald another mm-hmm. canadian funnily enough so maybe it's a canadian curse <laughs> it might well be a canadian no, curse. one thing about canadians are very patient people yes absolutely i mean what was it bobby heenan said when you when you step into canada set your watch back sort of 20 years because that's how people used to be. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, absolutely. But anyway, um, Peter, I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll do a, we'll do some sort of podcast in the future. I'm sure. Uh, I don't oh. know what, I don't know what, but, uh, I've got, uh, I've got a few ideas in mind and I would love to have you back on at some point. I look forward to it, my friend. You take care. Yeah. And you, so for Peter, 
I'm David, signing off. Thank you for listening to another episode of the How I Caught the Wrestling Bug podcast. <laughs>